Life Audio. Coming up on the Encouragement for You podcast, Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Menrith provides answers for worry. And Tony Dyer discusses the question, Are you a distraught person? Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew He was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And He's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. In our first segment, Dr. Minrith joins host Don Hawkins to talk about how to deal with worry. Is worry healthy or is it unhealthy? Well, Don, worry is a spectrum. Everyone worries, but for some of you, it's a realistic concern. And we're going to look at that from about three or four angles here. No matter how you look at it, Don, a realistic concern is healthy. And we're going to look mm. at it theologically. We're going to look at it in surgery. We're going to look at it in work. We're going to look at it biochemically. Uh, however, if it goes beyond that, where it's spreading, then, Don, that moves into unhealthy. So let's cover it in, in all three areas. We'll cover it theologically. We'll cover it psychologically. We'll cover it physiologically. Yeah. Let's look at it theologically. Okay. Don, the term, as you know, where we use worry or anxiety, it's used about 25 times in the New Testament. Yeah. About 20 of those times it's used in a negative sense. We, we shouldn't fret, be anxious for nothing. That's the context that we don't want to do. However, about five times, it's used in, in a positive concept, meaning a realistic concern. So we should look at issues and figure out what we can do, but that hmm. just setting and spinning, that fretting, then that's not healthy. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right when you talk about those five instances where the term is used uh, in a sense of caring. Uh, for example, Paul said of Timothy in Philippians 2 that he genuinely cared for the people 
that he pastored. He was a pastor of a church. And, and yet at the same time in Philippians 4, Paul says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, the passage we mentioned earlier. So clearly the same word used can be used in a positive way. And then just a couple of chapters later, used in a negative way. So what does surgery tell us about worry? People going into surgery that have, you, you can divide them into three groups. One that say, hey, you know, I could care less. I, I'm not worried at all. And they don't seem to be. And then the second are the group that have a realistic, realistic concern. Mm-hmm. Then the, the third are just sitting there spinning and worry. Which group does best? Which group does worst? Hmm. And I think the question, the answer would be those who worry about it. The, the, the ones that have intense worry and fretting will, will not, they do not do as well. The, the, the ones that have a realistic concern hmm. do the best. Um, mm-hmm. so, so just another interesting way. Another way to look at it is work. Do those that have a realistic concern perform better at worst work? And how do they compare with those that are afraid? And how do they compare with those that have no concern at all? The, the ones that do the best, the best workers, are ones that have a realistic concern. Those are just sitting there spinning and worry. Mm-hmm. They do not do as well. They do worse. And, uh, and, and the ones that have no care at all, then they don't do as well as those who have a realistic concern. In fact, they typically, some of them lose their jobs. That's it. And, and in these days, a lot of people can be very worried about losing their jobs. And yet again, that balanced, realistic concern that motivates us to do a good job, that prompts us to do well, very, very important. The first principle, Frank, uh, help us understand where we need to start. Number one is decipher the odds. Done, perhaps 95% of things we worry about never come true. And uh, the cat- catastrophe, we so much fear, most of those never come true. Mm-hmm. Many, things, many times what does happen, it comes from out of the blue, and we never had any idea it was coming. Yeah. Thus, worry is absolutely useless. And Jesus pointed that out in Matthew chapter 6 when he talked about uh, your heavenly Father knows if there are two birds in the air, two sparrows, and one of them falls to the ground, and how much more does he care for us? That brings us to the second of these seven ways to overcome worry, Frank, and that is to live one day at a time. Again, that was what Jesus said in Matthew six Don't worry about tomorrow. Obsessive warriors literally live in the future. You mentioned depressive warriors. They typically live in the past. The future hasn't arrived yet, and the past is already gone. We need to live in the present. Frank, you remember Jim Elliott, one of the five martyrs in, uh, back in 1956? Oh, I do. One of the great statements he made is, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt each day what you believe to be the will of God. Uh, live one day at a time. Number three, get the facts. Uh, worries often fade with facts. Get more facts concerning a worry. Perhaps you're maximizing. You've overestimated uh, the degree of the worry. Perhaps you've missed the big picture. Facts will often decrease the worry. Yeah, so important to gain those insights. Number four is share with a friend. Uh, there's an old aphorism that says a burden shared is only half a burden. That ties right into Ecclesiastes 4, which says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If the one fall, the other will help him up. Build a few good friendships and share often. Frank, over the years, you and I have uh, talked to each other, called each other, visited with each other over coffee on many occasions and, and have been mutually encouraged. 
Don, number five is use the time limit technique. Don, I remember well when I was in medical school, and I, I was a fair warrior in those days, and I was enjoying memorizing 4-6, and that was really helping. And I, I discovered this little technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, medical school was tough. I mean, I would study all day, almost yeah. all night. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, so one day I said to myself, I said, Mindreth, if you don't quit this worry, then you're going to have something to really worry about. I mean, I worry about little things all the time. I said, then you're going to have something to worry about. And I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'll worry next summer. Hmm. <laughs> and any time, I had all these classes. So any time I'd yeah. start that worry, I couldn't pay attention. I said, I'll stop it. You can worry next summer. Yeah. And of course, by the time next summer got there, the worries were gone. Oh, that's great. It's a little I, technique uh, I yes. developed and used for therapy in people for years and years, still do. I encourage them to set aside 10 minutes a day mm. for, their, for their worry time. And, and a better term is for their consideration time. Yeah. Uh, list, you know, when you, when, list what you're worried about. List what you can do about it. But set a time limit on that. We've only got so much mental energy. Right. And if you sit there and spend, you'll use all your mental energy. You'll get depressed. You'll be worried. You'll worry more. And uh, if you'll limit it aside 10 minutes a day, and you say, oh, that's never enough time. We'll sign 10 minutes twice a day. But don't spend hours and hours just looping and going nowhere. And, you know, Frank, it liberates people if they set that limit. And I've used that technique that I borrowed from you on numerous occasions with folks and sometimes even encourage them, set your alarm. You have an alarm on your watch or you have an alarm clock at home. Set that 10-minute clock. And, and when the alarm goes off, it's time to quit worrying and, and move on. And that brings us to number six, and that is to accept the possible in a worry. Uh, now, accept the possible if the worry just doesn't abate and then there's time to take action. Prepare for the worst and improve on it. Uh, Often the worst will not happen, but uh, this technique may offer uh, a real measure of freedom from worry. Uh, Do a little worst case scenario game planning and then look at how uh, God may work things out so that things uh, turn out better than you might anticipate. Yeah, when you accept the worst, sometimes that can help. I remember an old story, Don, of a man that the doctor told him he was going to die. And so he, he, he had terrible stomach, and he was bleeding and all kinds of stuff. And, and he said, well, since I'm going to die, I'm going to take a vacation, and, and you know, because it's, it's all over anyway. I'm going to mm-hmm. do some things I always wanted to do. I always wanted to go on a cruise. I'm going to do that. So he did, and he, and he started getting well. <laughs> Many times it's best to accept the worst, and sometimes the worst won't come. A lot of benefit in that. And, Frank, that brings us to number seven, which is? Form a plan of action. Any time I have a concern, I list good options, I list bad options, I list crazy options, and maybe list a hundred of them. There's, there's hundreds of solutions to any problem. Sometimes they're a little crazy, but list them. Be creative. We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live. Heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? 
I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app. Dr. Tony Dyer spent decades in Christian ministry to young people and adults and wrote a major curriculum for young people. In our next segment, he and host Don Hawkins address the question, Are you a distraught person? Talk to us, Tony, about what is a distraught person. What does that look like in a person's life? I think distraught means overwhelmed. It can mean uh, distracted. It can mean harassed. Uh, Again, Webster defines one of those parts of that word as uh, being driven mad. I believe it's the feeling that comes over the Christian, and even the non-Christian, of of this sense of, uh, I can't handle anything else. I, I can't do anything else. I can't, I can't uh, take care of one more problem, and so we we become uh, distraught. We become distracted. We become distressed, and yet, of course, Christ, uh, and we'll talk about that, uh, gives us an answer for that. Um, and then we mentioned this first habit was uh, the habit that we get into of denying that we have any problems because some way or another, Don, that that makes makes us feel that we're not spiritual. You know, I have to put on this facade that mm. everything's okay. Um, I like to tease about it, and I know you've seen this through the years. You go to church and stick out your hand, and someone asks you how you are, and you smile and say, oh, great, when, when you just have the biggest fight in the world on your way to church <laughs> with the kids in the car and everything yeah. else. Husbands, wives, so, children, everybody's on uh, the outs, but hey, we paste on that smile, walk through the door, and, and we're really, you know, we don't like the H word, hypocrite, but that's right where we are. Uh, what we're talking about, friends, is that denial that says all is well when we know deep down inside nothing is really well. And there's there's nothing wrong with coming to the Father or, or going to a pastor or going to a friend or a therapist or a counselor and saying, you know, I need some help. Uh, boy, this thing that, that I'm dealing with, it, it may, maybe you need to go to a financial counselor. Um, maybe you're having some, tro- some some challenges in your relationship, in your marriage, or with your children. There's nothing wrong with going and saying, you know, I need some help, instead of denying it. And Satan wants us to deny it, Don. Satan wants us to, to, to believe uh, in, in our hearts. Everything's okay. We don't need help. We don't need God's help. I can handle this on my own. Yeah. And the truth is, that's not how we were made. And Tony, uh, Satan's motivation and Christ's motivation are so different. And Jesus oh. articulated both of those in John 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, that's Absolutely. Satan's agenda. He wants to wipe your life out. He wants you to be distraught. And he wants to use those feelings of being distraught to push you over the edge uh, to convince you that you don't need to get help and get you into 
to denial. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And if you do not experience and are not experiencing that kind of life, the Lord wants you to have that. Both of us, both of us have, have, have spoken with people through the years and counseled people. And when they first come to us or they first, uh, we first begin to speak with them, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, nothing's really wrong. You know, I didn't really want, think I should come to you anyway. But then all of a sudden when the walls break down, when they begin to say yeah. to, to you what really is wrong, you can just see this relief come across their face and, and, and sense in their spirit that, well, they are so glad that they came. And so they, they break that habit of denial they break that habit of, of, of not admitting that they need some help. And, and what a joy it is to see that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, as we said. Yeah. You know, it's okay to ask. Uh, it's okay to ask for help, you know. It's just okay. Yeah, it is. And, and that's what we're trying to communicate to you tonight, friend. It is all right to not be totally with it, to have everything under control. And, and for some of you, the pain, the pretending has been there. And, and you've tried to pretend that the pain is not there, but it is there. And, and help and hope is available. Uh, the attitude of denial is the first habit of a highly distraught, highly effectively distraught person. Tony, what is the second habit? Well, I think the second habit, and by the way, I, we mentioned this briefly, I think every one of these can be deadly to the Christian. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, if not physically, certainly spiritually or emotionally, Financially, I think, uh, and again, you mentioned that a while ago, Don. Uh, you know, it is. I, I think it is. It is Satan's purpose to to, to try to, to destroy us as Christians and and even as non Christians. But the second one would be what I, I call uh, we begin to make excuses and we begin to blame. Um, I think that's a really big one. You know, it's you know when my wife and I have uh, a. Uh, uh, a friendly, heated discussion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. after 36 right. years of marriage, it's a whole lot easier for me to blame her than it is for me to assume, you know, my part in whatever the problem might be. Yeah, or maybe or, her parents or maybe circumstances that affect absolutely. her. Yeah, it's always somebody else's fault. And and as you say, Tony, this is a habit we get into. And rather than taking responsibility, as, as David did when he sinned with Bathsheba and when right. Nathan confronted him and said, you are the man, he said, you're absolutely right, I'm guilty as charged. And, and for us, uh, the reality is shifting that blame, trying to blame someone else or some other circumstance is a great habit that will drive us to further uh, feelings of being distraught. And, and the great thing that David did in the 51st Psalm, you'll remember, when he finally quit denying what he had done to Bathsheba and, and to Uriah and that whole story, and he said in that 51st Psalm, he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according yeah. to thy loving kindness. That's when he yeah. came clean. And so he quit blaming all the people around him, even though he was king, and, and, and could, could have anyone killed, could, could do anything he wanted to do. But it is that moment, I believe, in that 51st Psalm, when he finally broke through to God. And then, of course, he later on says or sings praises to God, I think, in stanza 13. Yeah. When he says, teach me thy ways, O Lord, and restore unto me the joy yeah. of thy salvation. So I think a second habit, Don, that is so easy to get into is we blame the preacher. You know, we don't, 
we, we the preacher steps on our toes on Sunday morning, and, and I yep. remember growing mm-hmm. up in church, and we used to have fried preacher when we'd come home. Chicken fried um, preacher on Sunday absolutely. morning. Yep, uh-huh. so you got that right. He stepped on my toes. You know, he, he got really too close to home. So if we're not careful, we'll get into this deadly habit of, of instead of assuming the responsibility for our own mistakes, for our own stuff that, that, that we get ourselves into, then uh, we will start blaming others. And yet there's such freedom in just simply coming. First John 1, 9, a great verse that, that, that all, all Christians know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to just wipe away our sins. And yeah. that's all God wants. Yeah. So he just wants us to come clean and say, Lord, you know, uh, you know, it's not Don's fault that I'm this way. It's not my wife's fault that I'm having this problem. It's not my boss's fault uh, that I got mad today. It's because I got tired and, and he caught me sleeping or he caught me, you know, loafing on the job and he just called me on it. It's not anyone. It's, it's my responsibility. And so just as we come clean with Christ then we come clean with each other. And I think that negates that habit where we don't blame. And it's so, so freeing to start accepting our own stuff. And of course, a great word for that, that we all use in counseling and, and, and a, a buzzword today is that we, we take more ownership yeah. uh, that way too. What is the third habit of highly effectively distraught people? Third one is, is perhaps one of the most significant ones, although they're all significant, and that is how we um, really hurt the people that we love in this. Hmm. Uh, we uh, can become so wrapped up in ourselves, and again, the blame game and you know, not assuming responsibility that, that when we are confronted, when someone does lovingly talk to us about... Um, Know, what some of our issues may be, or, or just coming to us and say, you know, boy, are you okay? Sometimes that can promote a response uh, like, yeah, I'm fine, leave me alone. Uh, yeah. When deep inside we're really not. And, and often we hurt those people that are really trying to help us the most, trying to, uh, uh, the, the, the ones that love us the most. And, of course, that old saying, we hurt the ones that we love. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You.
Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of Million Praying Moms, and I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's Word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's Word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.